Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Go West with ergonomics that go wow. <laughs> we've just we just uh, had a few technical hitches coming in today, but uh, it was fine. We got over them in the end. Uh, my special guest today is Marlene Amundsen. Hello. Good afternoon. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Where are you coming from today? Uh, I'm in London. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Which which part of London? Uh, I'm in a park called Maida Vale. Oh, lovely. Very nice yeah. indeed. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. It's very sunny at the moment. So looking out onto a park opposite where I live and it's... Um, it feels like the perfect setting for this conversation. Yeah, you don't want to be in Regent Street or anywhere like that at this time of year, do you? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. Not this year, anyway. No, it's uh, yeah. Well, absolutely, it's uh, it's one 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 to avoid, definitely at the moment. So, the the way that this show always works is that I pick four subject matters for us to discuss in terms of ergonomics, but obviously. Just so that people have a little bit of a background, you you also do coaching, don't you? I do. Yes, yes. I work okay. As a, as, a, as a coach, as well as uh, doing work for Mousetrapper, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I wanted to bring that, an element of that into uh, the, the conversation and the topics as well. So you'll notice with the, the subjects that I've picked <laughs> that, uh, that there was an element of that in it because obviously having – Having someone that's got expertise in that area want to bring that into there as well. So uh, I'll bring the, the subjects up on the screen. If anybody else uh, watching wants to bring a subject in, then please do. Uh, for those people that are listening back on the podcast, clearly you won't see the subjects on the screen. So I will be reading them out as well. So uh, you don't have to panic and think, what's he going to be talking about for the next half an hour? So the first subject that I wanted to deal with today is do you think people understand the difference between a holistic workplace assessment and a DSE risk assessment? So just to explain what DSE means for people that don't understand that terminology, that's a display screen equipment uh, assessment. So when we talk about DSE assessments, they really are based upon HSE kind of regulations in terms of using display screens in work and for me that means very much a kind of tick box affair in the main uh, an assessment where you basically go is the screen at the right high has it got glare on it etc um you know are you sitting at a suitable distance away from the screen and it's just it's just one question after another and i expect most people that are listening have probably been through one of those assessments and they, they probably had it emailed to them or they probably had it sent round on a piece of paper. And a lot of people will go tick, 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 all the way through that as fast as they can because they're thinking, oh, I want to get on with my day and I've got other things to do. So in terms of that or a holistic assessment, which actually obviously covers an awful lot more, what do you feel the differences are? Um, well, yeah, there's a big difference. There's, as you say, it's not hopefully a tick box, tick box exercise. It's 
someone's actually kind of um, engaging with it and really thinking about it and checking how does it feel and what if I change it? How What would that be like? So am I at the right one? Um, and it also, I think, is worth having someone doing it with you. You know, I think I think that's a that's a big one, and and maybe preferably someone like yourself who is an actual assessor rather than you know someone a, a fellow a fellow colleague. Often the offices where I've worked, it used to be maybe the receptionist or something would find it somewhere online, print it out, come around with a list, and you'd be kind of just laughing all the way through and going yeah yeah, and just not taking it very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you you work obviously with quite a number of assessors. What what do you get any kind of feedback from when you talk to assessors about what goes on now in the workplace um, in terms of assessments? Not very much, actually. Not that much. I, I think I should ask for more anyway. And the little feedback I have had, they're often kind of. Um, yeah, that, it's it's very similar similar stuff that people say, I think. But it also goes back to what you talked to my colleague Andish about last week, and that people just kind of go, "Oh, I'm fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's all fine," sort of thing. So that people don't really check in with it properly. Yeah, that seriously. Okay, and we we'll get onto this when we get to the next question in a bit more depth. But from your coaching background perspective i mean do do you do you feel that there's a, a gap there in terms of uh that how most people have an assessment mm. and what they re actually require in terms of not just the the kind of physicality of someone sitting next to them and actually observing the, the kind of physical attributes of how they're sat etc but also the importance of, of someone being empathetic and and actually having this conversation with them about how they're getting on in work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, I think it's that thing of taking it seriously. You know, really, actually checking in with yourself. Yeah, I think, and and to do it with someone, absolutely. Yes, I, I think there's there's a big difference, and yeah, taking it seriously, which you know, a lot of the time it's it's a case of kind of. I said earlier it's fine yeah it's fine yeah you know because we haven't actually really thought about it yeah yeah and, and, and I mean and as someone that works for as well a manufacturer of a, a quality product which um you know is not the cheapest thing on the market and that's not a problem no. at all but it, it's it's a it's a quality product that does a particular job and it's been well well crafted etc um is part of the problem for you in terms of, you know, trying to get people to, to you know, look at a product like that, the fact that the assessment perhaps is done in a, in a poor way in the first place. Because if you just do a tick box affair with somebody, there's no real understanding of what the real needs are and therefore there's no willingness to kind of start looking at products that may and or, or solutions that may actually have a, a, a real benefit to that person yeah. and in a way it's like oh okay or well, I, I recognize that i need you know something there so 
can you just order something out of a catalog for me? Mm -hmm. Because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, the tick box says so. But if there's a proper yeah. understanding of the issues, yeah. then people are, are more prepared to, to actually have a look at a, a, a product that, or a solution that will work. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think there's a lot to that. And what what I'm thinking about when you're talking is the importance of the questions. Someone um, who does a like a more proper assessment, the kind of questions they would ask, they wouldn't come up automatically from just that tick box sheet that we we talked about earlier. You know, they, they those kind of questions just wouldn't come about, kind of thing. Um, so yes, I think I think uh, from a proper assessment, then you could make a very, very, very different assessment. I mean, why are we doing the assessments in the first place if you know if they're not going to be meaningful, kind of thing? Why are we uh, wasting time on it otherwise? So yeah. Well, so well, if I, someone did, you, yeah. I think you raise a very good point. Why are we doing these assessments in the first place? Yeah. My, I, I hazard a guess. <laughs> uh -huh. that, that in many cases the reason we're doing the assessment in the first place is because we just want to um we just we just literally at an institutional level want to pass a tick box exercise in other words we know that it's a legal requirement that someone yeah. has a has an assessment for uh the, the way that they're working with display screen equipment and we just want to get it done and we want mm. to get it done as uh, cheaply and effectively as we can without it costing us a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I, I think that's possibly why a lot of people just go down the, the tick box route mm. or, the, or the simple route, whereas obviously spending time getting in uh, uh, people who are well-trained to do full-on assessments with people is going to cost more time, more money. And as an outcome of that, may have you know more consequences in terms of finance mm. but i suppose that the the other side of it is um as you say why are we doing it uh if if, if a company starts and stops and looks at it as a as an exercise and actually thinks right mm -hmm. rather than being reactive this should be a proactive stance that we're taking because we want our staff to be as supported as possible within the workplace we we've we've taken on these great people because they're great um and we want them to be you know they we want them to do the best for us mm. then actually it's it's more about removing obstacles that are stopping them from being so productive for us as opposed to a firefighting exercise, mm. uh, yeah. you know, because somebody says, I've got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. And that's often when, yeah, exactly. The exercise takes place when someone has said, I can't be as efficient as you'd like me to be, maybe, you know. And and when they're, when they, when assessment takes place, when that hasn't come about, then, yeah, I think they are taken a lot less seriously i think they're just you know yeah they're just but as you say it's a legal requirement but in this sense you know so what does that mean you know so it's a legal requirement for the organization to do it but then it seems to stop there yes so we yeah. can say we've done it but that's all <laughs> well exactly um and and it can it can end up going into 
if you're not careful, it can end up actually going into a, an, an endless pit in a way mm. because you can you can end up where uh, legally you've done that first assessment, you've recognised that this person has one or two issues, etc. You know, um, but then you can say, oh, okay. So then what I've done is I've bought them a footrest and I've bought them a I've bought them a lumbar support to to put on their chair. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this will then resolve the issue, you know, but then do you le- then leave it another 12 months before you review that? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's. So, I mean, a lot of issues around this. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I think, I think generally the, the big, big issue is that, you know, are, are staff going to actually kick up a fuss if, uh, if at the end of the day, nothing happens to yeah. to really to really resolve the situation and of course if they don't then then you've you've got away with it for another year yeah. and then yeah. you know it could, it could ultimately be four or five years before you actually have to do anything about it and by that time they may have left because they might be fed up to the back teeth of the fact that you haven't done anything <laughs> yeah but what's you know what's the attitude towards it you know if it's seen as an investment then yeah. um, you know then that makes all the difference. But if it's seen as something that we just do because we have to do it, you know, so so that if the attitude could shift a little bit. Then... Absolutely. I think one of the interesting things that's come out of this whole period with more people working from home is that, as well, is that uh, the emphasis has shifted slightly. And what we have seen is that I think certainly from people that own, run their own businesses, who have not been able to get out at all (laughs) is that they've realized the value of making these adjustments. And therefore um, I think we've seen more people actually uh, pay for assessments for themselves who do work for themselves and spend a bit more money on kit from working from home. Yeah. Um, It's, it's perhaps the businesses (laughs) who have got staff working from home but haven't uh, necessarily got into into a proper structure of assessments yet that that are actually lagging behind at the moment, um, yeah. particularly in this country. Mm. And, and I, I think just to clarify, from my point of view, I feel that an holistic assessment should actually cover more than just ergonomics. So from, from my perspective, I think that... Uh, a holistic assessment ought to cover workflow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should cover with some someone how they actually work, what they're using software-wise, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. those sort of things, to see whether or not people are actually working as smartly as and effectively as possible. Or do they actually mm-hmm. understand do they actually understand that all of the systems that they're using? Mm. Um, you know, or 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 does a lack of integration between those systems hold them hold them back? Um, it should cover things like, uh, or certainly at least signpost, um, if necessary, anything issues around mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I think it should cover you know uh, any any additional help that anybody with a specific learning difficulty requires as well. Um, so for me, I think, you know, what I'd like to see more in the future are assessments that don't just cover 
ergonomics. Um, yeah. Because all of those things link together. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that's the, the drum I'm going to continue to bang on about. Yeah. Do, uh, do, 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 do uh, a lot of the people that you talk to who are carrying out assessments, are they, are they multi-trained? Are they, are they mm, carrying no. out? No? no. Okay. Really. That's interesting. Mm. I, but I, I think a lot of them would want to be if yeah. the opportunity is there. I just think that it's not necessarily an opportunity that's been made available to, to a lot of people to have that, that training. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next topic. Mm -hmm. That was good. Uh, what do you think are the biggest links then between psychological coaching and ergonomics? So there's probably some links within the last question there, but obviously yeah. you do some psychological coaching. What, what, what do you think the links are between what you do there and ergonomics? I think the biggest one is, and I think we've touched on this, is awareness, basically. I think that's, that's the biggest link that, I, that comes to mind for me. Just an awareness of, you know, because coaching is, is about change, making changes and so on. But in order to be able to make those changes, you need to understand what you're doing now. And, and that's where it often, um, where, where we're not so aware of what we're actually doing now. We just know we want to change. So an awareness of what are we doing now. So when it comes to ergonomics, I mean, for example, my my mum, she had um, she had tennis elbow uh, a number of years ago, and she uh, got an injection eventually, um, and a cortisone injection, and then it went away, and then it came back. So she really had to look out. Actually, what, what is it that's causing this? And that you know, I really need to make a change here. It isn't just a general thing. And she realised it was, you know, she had to kind of swing around from her chair and get quite heavy files out from behind and carry them back to like lift them back to her to her desk mm. and she realized that's actually what caused it and as soon as she changed that well then then she started to get better in her elbow so but it was the awareness of that and it's the same in coaching like I said you know people want to make changes so all they know is that it's not quite working as it is something isn't okay because often coaching can be uh, remedial so you just know yeah there's a problem but I, I need to understand that a little bit more before I can actually make changes um, now what would be amazing about both um, ergonomics and coaching would be if it was the attitude towards it was considered a little bit differently so it wasn't just seen as something that you do when you have a problem but actually it's a it's a real investment to kind of check in way before then because probably all sorts of stuff is going on. By the time, by the time you realise everything's not right, it's been going on for a while. You know? No, I agree. Yeah. You mentioned pain, <laughs> and I wonder whether pain, pain is an element of it as well. Because um, certainly over the years, when I've seen people, one of the one of the issues which I don't think gets addressed enough, either by organizations when they're trying to help people or by necessarily by all gps as well mm -hmm. is pain management because with some conditions and some issues that people have 
part and parcel of getting through long term and getting to the other side is learning to deal with the pain. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you know, when you say that people actually uh, want to make a change, but they don't know where they are at the moment. So, they, you know, they don't know how they're going to change. Mm. I mean, do you find that? in terms of some of your coaching with people that in terms of sort of a, a, a psychological barrier or block, they have to learn how to cope with that in a, in a way that enables them to move on to the next stage. And, and in a way, is that not the same as helping people to understand that, you know, I can't just give you a mouse now mm. and tomorrow you're going to be better. Yeah. You are still going to be in pain, but you've part and parcel of doing this is this is going to help, but you've still got to learn to manage that pain. You've still got to learn to understand that you know you're not going to be immediately comfortable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think as well that's still for me goes back to the awareness point because sometimes you've been in pain, but you've not really accepted it you've not really kind of chosen to to see that it's even taking place that it's happening you think it's kind of it's okay or it's supposed to be like that or um yeah so so i think to to become aware of it in the first place and then yeah to accept and you know i think that's that's in a way what you're talking about to accept that there will be some pain and there will be work involved as well and that's the thing about coaching too you know you could say it's more of a kind of sometimes metaphorical pain, but it's a pain nonetheless, which has real consequences. And yeah, so so to accept that and be willing to look at it, because we, you know, the world we live in is very, it's a world of distractions, you know, we just, it's a lot of distractions all the time. And, and we become really good at distracting ourselves as well when there is something going on. So so yeah, so to have a real willingness to to look at something, accept it, and yes, potentially in a way choose maybe not to live with the pain. And as crazy okay. as that sounds, that can be pretty scary for 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 us sometimes as well because we're so used to it. So. There's certainly yeah, there are certainly people that I've met over the years who have turned. Uh, their pain in a way into a bit of a crutch <laughs> um, or their condition into a bit of a crutch and then and then alongside it um, some of the ergonomic adjustments that have been made for them have become crutches as well and actually you know from a psychological point of view I'd say they probably become quite dangerous long term because uh with with a number of those people they then struggle if anything changes within their mm. environment um and and you can, <laughs> the the worst case scenarios that i've seen over the years are you go into a place and you can you can almost tell that that's the person you're going to see today because mm -hmm. their desk is covered i mean sometimes mine is because of uh, playing with sa samples from manufacturers but their desk is covered with ergonomic devices, mm -hmm. right, I use that term loosely, but they're covered mm -hmm. with uh, um, adjustment devices that people have recommended after assessment after assessment. And it's almost got to the point where there's no room left to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think 
you know, uh, sometimes that that becomes very dangerous then because they're then all they're trying to do is they're trying to they use these things to to try and create a balance of oh I, I'll be okay today if I've got this that and the other yeah. you know um, yeah it's very soothing I guess yeah it is it is but it's almost living in your own pain and living yeah. in your own kind of comfort with that pain yes exactly so when I say soothing I mean kind of it's like a a mental state of being in which is almost asleep yes uh, absolutely and and occasionally i've been really cruel and and said no we're going to have to take all of that away mm -hmm. <laughs> but for their own good in a way because what i've yeah. wanted to do is, is show them that actually possibly what we need to now do is strip that away and then start again yeah and, and see what we really can be left with because mm. maybe maybe it's become too much and maybe there's become too much reliance on on all this product yeah as opposed to you know looking towards the end goal of actually we want to get away from all of this and we mm. want to get get towards being healthy and well again <laughs> yeah yeah and i think there's a real link there with coaching it's like a, let's say you start out with a, a shed and you want to make some changes. So you start kind of making additions to this shed, which isn't very good in the first place. And you start making additions to it and you little extensions. And but you essentially still left with that same shed, which is might now be bigger, but still isn't quite right, you know. So you need to sometimes kind of start pull over. It, pull it down and start yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. And work on the foundations of it because the foundations weren't good in the first place no absolutely so yeah i think there's i think there's a lot to be said for again i think there's probably a lot to be said for maybe uh people that are getting involved in ergonomic assessments to have some idea of coaching uh and and or some you know a better understanding of you know what what someone like a coach would do with someone or, or would be working through with someone to have a uh, a, a better understanding again of how you support someone holistically as opposed to mm. you know just coming in and just doing this this thing that that takes half an hour or whatever that focuses on one area of that person whereas yeah. a better understanding of them as a whole uh, can yeah. really help yeah and often can just come down to questions you know what questions are you asking and how are you asking them yeah, I, I I believe so. Um, <laughs> I always said people people often ask me um, when I was uh, going in to do workplace assessments in large companies. They said, "Oh, so oh, where did where did you start your training?" And I said, "In, mm. in radio, um, yeah. as a broadcast journalist." Mm. And they they'd look at me a bit like that, and I go, "Yeah, because basically I learned to ask people questions mm -hmm. and then listen to the answers." <laughs> <laughs> and that's a skill mm. and, and i just think that um you know ultimately it's the skill that's required in that situation mm. sometimes is you know i've i'd have a case study maybe of what was wrong with that person or perceivably mm. wrong with that person before i go in and i'd read that case study but i wouldn't let that determine for me what the outcome was going to be Mm -hmm. um, and I do know I won't name names but I do know over the years there would be some people that would literally read that case study and then write the report before they'd even go to see yeah 
the person that they were assessing because yeah. they could literally go, oh, well, they've got that wrong with them, that one with them, then mm. the answer is going to be this. Mm. But I, I'd always assume that I don't really know. Mm. Um, and I want to start from scratch. Yeah. Because so, someone yeah. might be experiencing, uh, you know, acute sort of upper neck and uh, back of head pain or, mm. uh, you know, uh, tightness across the shoulders or whatever. But, you know, the, the out of why that is started in the first place but maybe nothing to do with posture it may be it may right. be exacerbated by posture yeah. but it could be to do with you know uh, uh you know just not sleeping properly or, and then what's going on in yeah. their life or it could be you know yeah. um anxiety or stress at work and you know and Absolutely. so what, what's the root cause of this yeah yeah you know, yeah. so what are we yeah. really doing? Yeah, which is something that, you know, you're really good at, basically, to be curious. Yeah, and that's why you I know? said journalism was the start of all of it. If you're nothing else as a journalist, you've just got to be curious about everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and especially, you know, if you kind of, uh, like, you're there both in, in coaching and, and as, as an assessor, kind of as, a, like, a bit of an echo chamber. So you sort of so that the person actually hears themselves because you'd be quite surprised how many people they're not are not even listening to themselves so um yeah they you know they, they can't hear it and they sometimes don't want to hear it so yeah so people are not being honest with themselves about is what you're saying about yeah yeah how, yeah. How and when it comes to, yeah when it comes to ergonomics you know there might be you know, that might come down to, like we talked about earlier, an organization's attitude towards this kind of thing, you know. It might yeah. even be seen as a, a weakness or demanding or, you know, and especially in these times, pandemic times, you know, and it's a real pressure on everyone, you know, that, to to maybe stay in their jobs, to, you know, there's, yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of issues, I think. Oh, uh, well, yeah, we've certainly, I've talked about this, quite a lot over the last six months i mean there's certainly a lot of pressure from some people to to feel like they have to be at work uh you know all the time that they're that the, the clock is open if you like or yeah. you know. yeah. um yeah. and there's, there's certainly with working from home there's some other sides to to that that are not positive mm. in terms of people uh, potentially sort of just getting up in the morning and just immediately switching on and, and starting work and, yeah. you know, uh, not, not taking the time for themselves. So I think yeah. that's that's important that people yeah. have. And again, it can be very distracting, you know. So you're not really perhaps even that present. Yeah, no, true. Thanks, Nicola. Nicola James has uh, come on to say great stuff. We'll, we'll rewatch later. Thanks. Um, and uh, you can also listen to this on the podcast, which some people are doing now, which uh, always it's a bit mind blowing, really, isn't it? <laughs> when you say that, because they're, they're already there, you see, at that moment. So uh, the next question that I wanted to tackle is, Mm -hmm. Again, leading on from that, what behavioural changes do you believe 2021 will bring in terms of office ergonomics? Do you think there's going to be any any major changes in terms of behaviour? 
I think the one that springs to mind that feels the most obvious is that, um, you know, that more workplaces might become agile. You know, so there's more moving around. We're not sat at a particular desk. And maybe a lot of people will be working from home. I think quite a number of organizations that I've spoken to are going to do this thing whereby they actually the office won't be able to fit everyone in because it's more spaced out. So some people will have to work from home and they'll probably take turns and so on. So in terms of kind of ergonomic equipment, um, I guess some of it will be more stuff that you can carry with you, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we touched a little bit upon this in my last conversation last week um, and with Anders. And, and yeah. I actually asked the question, I said, do you actually think that some new sort of integrations of technology will happen or, or, or certainly some different types of devices? And I think they probably will. Mm. Um, my, my view is I think the office, as a structure, I think the office will, will change. I don't think it will die completely, but I think it certainly is going to have to evolve. Yeah. Um, I think I've said this a few times, but I, I, at the end of the day, I just don't think that people will want to replicate what they can do at home in an office space. It does not make sense anymore to go into an office space and, and yeah. go in head down, sit at a cubicle and, and work to yourself all day long when you know you can do that at home mm. where you can, if you need to stop, make a cup of tea, have a digestive um <laughs> you know yeah. it, it 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 just doesn't make sense you know so that the kind of that kind of impasse in the office where it's you know you're separated from everybody and uh even though you're all collectively together that just doesn't make any sense to to anybody anymore i don't think people realize they can be probably more together by yeah. working remotely, but then having check-in meetings on Zoom or, or whatever throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so from that perspective, I do think that office spaces must get more uh, team-based. They must get more creative, mm -hmm. um, which in a way is probably better from an ergonomic perspective anyway for the people when they are working in an office, because I would expect to see more furniture or more spaces that require you to get up and move and, mm. and 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 change what you're doing quite regularly as opposed to yeah. sitting statically for a long period yeah. of time. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. I guess it'll be quite gradual and, you know, some some organisations, of course, might believe in it more than others and, and, like, jump on it as an opportunity, and whereas others might not, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, no, uh, I, uh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, I think, but yeah, sorry, yeah, you go. No, no, I, I was going to say, I think the that the main changes then are going to center around the home. I think for the foreseeable future, because yeah. I think uh, typically people have not invested properly in their home office space. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that's that's going to. Uh, that's going to make a difference that people are going to start thinking about 
for a start, I think space allocation in the home. Mm. All right. Yeah. And and I'm I'm pretty certain I'd put money on it that more housing will be built with an office space mm. as an allocated mm. space as opposed yeah. to yeah. uh um you know just thinking about a, a dining room and a, a living room, etc. Mm. You know, people have tried to find in those spaces an office up until now. Yeah. But with more people thinking, okay, no, I can, I can, for, uh, even if it's part of the week now, in a more flexible way, work from mm. work from home for part of that week. We're going to actually start looking for spaces that in the first place have been better designed around allowing there to be an office space I think yeah yes yeah no I think that's a really interesting point actually I think you're right I think we could well see that a lot of you know that 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 will be kept in mind now in in building new places and reorganizing existing places and so on yeah I totally agree with what Russell's just said. Russell Hartman has said workplaces will become places to meet, present to clients or train more than it will uh, than it will be have people sat sedentary for, you know, eight hours. And I think that's I think that just echoes what I've said. I, I think that's got to be the right thing to do. They've got to be those yeah. places where it's something that you can't do well. Um, the grind work that I call it when you're sat in front of a computer just you know playing with your spreadsheets and your databases etc yeah. you can do that anywhere and we proved that in 2020 so 2021 will move that on he's yeah. also raised another interesting point to what extent does audio acoustics play on the ergonomic workspace mm -hmm. huge yeah. <laughs> yeah. um I, and I, i'll add into that lighting as well mm -hmm. um one of the big issues that i've seen uh over the last 10 years or so when i've i've gone in to do workplace assessment in offices uh, has been around lighting or acoustics mm -hmm. um i i think slightly we've we've managed to overcome one of the big issues of acoustics that used to be there which was dot matrix printers because they were noisy and if you were ever sat next to a dot matrix printer then you knew it because it was like all the way through the day. Um, so they have changed, but we have tried to cram in more people into offices. Um, and I think I think these two things go together, Russell, that, that within this conversation, because I think um, you know, there was a move. Uh, certainly to, to, from the sort of end of the 90s onwards towards uh, using things like bench desking in uh, office spaces, straight desking as we started to go away from big curved desks in order to make the most of the floor space. Um, and because also people start, ergonomists uh, were starting to, to say to people, well, actually sitting along a straight desk, you can get in closer with your chair. It's actually... Uh, more beneficial for you anyway so that that became more prevalent um but the issue was we were cramming people in more and more and more mm. <laughs> and and even though people uh the screen they the, the desk screen manufacturers had a field day uh mm. because people bought screen desks which were 
you know, 38 to 50 centimetres high to put at the, the, the back of the desk or maybe even down the side of the desk uh, occasionally in order to improve the acoustics. But they didn't really um, because uh, a lot of sound goes up <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, it's where sound hits the ceilings and, uh, and walls that that's where it really creates a problem. So, um, yeah, it, it, it is a problem, but there are some clever solutions to it as well. I think there's some clever solutions around uh, false ceilings, uh, use of uh, white noise um, machines in, in, in embedded in those ceilings, um, and also some really interesting sort of tile solutions, wall tile and ceiling solutions, whereby, you know, um, rather than reverberate the noise or, or uh, create um, echo of, of any sound that's going about uh, it there's a, an absorption of some of that noise as well so but it's it, again it's down to cost with a lot of a lot of places mm. and and I think this is this is uh, something that's going to be of interest to a lot of businesses because actually the, the working from home thing kind of takes care of that as well, doesn't it? Mm. You know, yeah. if yeah. if if we, when we work on our own, want to be surrounded more by the noise that we want to be surrounded by, and that mm. varies from person to person. Yeah. Yeah. If I want it quiet, if I'm working from home, unless the kids are here, <laughs> <laughs> then it can be quiet. It can be there can be nothing on. But if I'm the kind of person that works well with some music on, I can I can have music on. And and that's a dynamic that you know when you're in a shared space, you have to negotiate. But you don't have to negotiate that when you're working for yourself from home. Mm. Um, you can have the lighting as you want it, you can have the, the acoustics as you want it. Mm. Um, do, do you have many? Do you, do you see many clients that that struggle with lighting or sound? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not really. No, I mean uh, because yeah. In terms of coaching, obviously people find a little space. I mean, there is someone actually who works for the NHS, and both of those are an issue every time because he has to find a little cubby hole somewhere to put himself. Uh, so that's that's a bit of an issue. Um, yeah. But then I think there's something, again, like we've been saying, people get so used to it that do they even, would they even say they're struggling? Yeah. You know, just like that. Maybe if someone really kind of inquired into it with them and they really paid attention to it, they might realise, actually, you know what, I really struggle with that. But we become used to to certain things, and then they're just yeah. We can we can maybe take more of it if you know what I mean. Like if we, if we feel that's part of the job or part of you know. So for him, for example, working for the NHS, it's that's just how it is, kind of thing. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's another reason why technology has to step up to the plate as well. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the technologies that we're that we're using to to bring teams together um, mm. and communicate together at home because the one thing you've got in an office environment 
which works if you like uh, as part of the ergonomics for that person is that they can literally get up out of a desk and go and see someone and tap on their shoulder and um in in non-covid times and mm. and actually you know speak to them and and that works really well especially if you're you know if you're uh struggling with uh a, a, a sight loss problem or a hearing loss problem etc mm. you know being in that physicality can really help mm. um and we just have to be careful that the technologies don't exclude Mm. uh so that you know if if someone's got a particular access issue mm -hmm. then they're not excluded from what we deem to be a, a you know a a, a a connected group yeah of people yeah. online and at least that conversation is now being had more i think yeah and it, it's had to be had more and yeah. and the, the the great thing about you know uh technology um and the fact that people have been using it more through this mm. pandemic um no one wanted the pandemic to happen uh obviously but yeah. but you know the the one positive thing that may have come out of it is that because people have turned to these technologies and started using mm. them mm. uh you know the money's there yeah um now to to push forward with some of those other developments to enable yeah. these technologies to be more accessible. So that's that's a really good use. Yeah. I don't know how because we got to accessibility from uh, 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 sort of uh, <laughs> acoustics. But I, I just want to, yeah, I just want to say there as well how um, with regards to kind of, you know, you mentioned people who have uh, problems with sight and so on. It just made me remember, you know, do you remember that episode in from The Office? And there's a fire alarm. Yep. And they've been merged with another department, and there's a woman in a wheelchair there. So the fire alarm goes off, and they're like, oh, what should we do? Okay. So then they start lifting it down like one and a half set of stairs, and then they just leave her there. They're like, yeah, it's only, really, you know, it's only a trial alarm or whatever. They're only testing the alarm. So we just leave you there. So just to think back to what offices were like, actually, really like properly like that and and many offices still are it's just uh you know yeah so yeah i think i think there's great great opportunities there for for offices to change and i think that's yeah. uh, you know i think that that's going to be the main behavioral change in 2021 yeah okay so if you could change one thing about the way most people work what would it be uh, and why <laughs> yeah it's a big Big, big question. This um, I <clears throat> I spoke a little bit to Andish about it before as well, and he was saying the one thing for him would be, and I think he thought about this as like partly after the conversation you two had last week, but also in general, that people became maybe like they dare to ask for the kind of equipment that they need. Really, right. that was his thing. That people have the courage to ask and be a little bit more demanding of, of their employer to ask for what they need. Yep. And what I was thinking for myself, one thing that came to mind, that's quite a big thing for me is probably around sustainability, something, you know, because that's another thing that's been kind of talked about quite a lot during the pandemic that, you know, 
maybe we can actually uh, reduce emissions and so on. Maybe we can become a little bit more sustainable as a as a world, as a society. And you know, with all this working from home and so on, you know, it started off a certain thinking around that. So I think that would be really nice if people started to pay attention to to it and it actually meant something because sustainability is a word that we use so much now that it's almost lost its meaning so something around around that where it actually meant something again where we thought about it okay and then yeah. i actually yeah sorry go on no, no. yeah no i was going to say i uh, also asked my husband about this what would be his one thing um and he was saying that something around the work-life balance being taken more seriously because that's another thing that's kind of become a more noticeable maybe during the pandemic um and <clears throat> yeah so a bit more kind of adaptable uh, organizations maybe and because again work-life balance that expression has become a bit sort of it doesn't feel so powerful anymore as an expression because it's so is used so much it's almost overused as a as an expression i think so so yeah so there are three things but um to bring to the table yeah i i think they're very good things um i think if you unpack them uh going with the last one first the work-life balance i mean the last online ergonomic event that we did we had nicola pease there talking about flexible working and I, I, I guess to some extent, the term flexible working has kind of taken the mantle a little bit from work-life balance. Um, because I, I guess that there's a, there's a sort of idealism with talking about work-life balance, which is, which is for many people just not sustainable um, in terms of being employed um because you know you've got you've got to earn enough money and the company's got to make enough money in order to uh you know take you on in the first place um you know because otherwise anyone can say well you know what's your ideal work life balance well i i i work one day a week and the rest of the, the time i do what i i i find fun <laughs> you know absolutely um, but you, but you could also turn it around and say a little bit and say well are we allowed to be feeling alive whilst working, you know, work and life? It almost, you know, separates them out as if, as if we're not living whilst we're working. Well, now I know I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I, I, I think that's been one of the, one of the main things that I have seen, um, especially being a, a sort of a purveyor of LinkedIn on a fairly regular basis throughout the day, every day has been that kind of change in terms of people being themselves. And I think that's very healthy and very important. And I guess I'm just going to come round to that point, which is that I would really love to see uh, in terms of the way, you know, what, what I'd like to see people change in terms of the way they work is that people actually start being themselves more. Yeah. So it kind of fits into all of those things, mm -hmm. which is that I, I just believe that people have been uh, have become very corporatized 
um, in some of their roles to the point where they actually lose their identity. And I think that's a dreadful thing. Um, I think in terms of things like social media, I mean, I can, I can understand, I can understand that, uh, you know, a, a business will be worried about what, you know, employees of theirs pu publish on social media, but I, I feel it become too restrictive in certain places. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when, when you're in a, when you're in a role, especially if you're in a role where you're meant to be to some extent an ambassador for that business, mm -hmm. if your voice is scuppered yeah. by, by the organization and, so, and you're told exactly what it is that you can or can't say or can or can't feel and, you know, what, what kind of content or message you put out there in the end, you know, uh, what happens is that nothing of you gets out into gets out into the, the world and actually people looking at that don't see you mm -hmm. <laughs> so it kind of it kind of makes no sense mm. because you've been taken on or you should have been taken on within that business because your personality who you are what you bring to the table the knowledge that you bring etc um should be things that are attractive to the audience that that business you know wants to play with um and if if your voice is you know well i'd like you to put this out on linkedin today you know don't don't put anything about yourself on there but you know and certainly don't say anything personal um then then it doesn't work because pe people all people are going to see is this corporate wall <laughs> Yeah, and they go. Oh, do you know what? I I saw, I, I've seen five profiles from that business, and they're all the same. <laughs> you know, where's where are the people in that business? And yeah. I, I can see that. I can see that on things like LinkedIn. I can see that you know, um, with the companies that are allowing their people to be people and be proactive as people, and those mm -hmm. that are saying, oh well, we we need to we need to have a corporate branding mm -hmm. here etc but it, it just comes across as selling but i think i think this is important all the way through business and and how people work i think it's important that as you say people becoming more brave and being more them right from the word go so you know yes i need these bits of equipment mm -hmm. right yeah um i need this i need that but it starts with, I honestly believe it starts with trust from a, a trust based mm -hmm. management system in yeah. the first place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, how, how many people, how many people, I mean, you, you know, you're not going to name names or anything else, but how many people do you see who are working with an organization and, and actually part and parcel of some of the issues that they face are somewhere along the line, the trust based issue? Yeah, that features a lot. It features a lot. You know, even if they're not even aware of it, you might have to dig around it a little bit to, to understand that that is, that is where it is. And certainly, I have often felt like that in working for organisations as well. Yeah. Definitely. Well, yeah. Whereas, you know, if at the end of the day, uh, and I do think this comes right back into to the ergonomic circle, um, mm -hmm. is, you know, 
start where we began and we were yeah. talking about assessments you know and we said oh it's a tick box exercise it's firefighting etc if at the end of the day people can be them within the business if at the end of the day businesses start to say oh do you know what this person is going to set this company alight and the only way that they're going to do that is if you know they're fully integrated into the team Mm -hmm. and that you know we work as a team and we just have everybody's yeah everybody has everybody's back right mm -hmm. we all want each other to succeed we're not you know it's not about whispering in corners who's mm -hmm. not performing who's not you know you know if someone's if someone's not feeling it at the moment you know can we help them can we can we support them can we get them through this next phase you know and when and as soon as you as soon as you bridge that problem then actually all of these other things slot into place. Mm -hmm. um, and suddenly you wouldn't want to be doing a tick box exercise mm. with, with, with your staff because yeah. <laughs> what, what, as you said right at the beginning, what does that achieve? Mm. What you'd want to say is, you know, Jimmy, um, you know, you, you, you've, you've, you've had a uh, tennis elbow for years, you know, um, it's a bit of an issue because you're, you're having to live, day in day out with pain right what what would help you manage that what would help help you with that and of course as soon as you as soon as you put it into that perspective you know uh the adjustments aren't a, such a cost issue or they're not they're, they're you know and people are more prepared to to open up and say yeah that's what i need absolutely yeah you know, or yeah. can can you help me find what i need because mm. I don't know. Can, so can you bring an expert in and, and, and help me? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that sounds like management, what you're talking about there, in a way. I think mm. most things come back down to management. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But there we go. So, yeah, yeah. Lit Code 2021. Uh, some management might learn from this. And, uh, you know, we, we'll start to see, you know, a... Uh, uh, maybe a, a different way of working in offices, a different way of working at home, but most importantly, a different way of uh, interacting and treating staff and trusting, trusting staff. Yeah. You know, because I think that, that then makes everybody's job in terms of supporting people a lot, lot easier. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Right, so yeah. we're about to end, but uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Today, yeah, and uh, and and what do you traditionally have for Christmas lunch? Well, uh, being Swedish, I usually have so it's more of a dinner, right? And we have roast ham, yep, and pickled herring, and a type of uh, a potato thing that goes in the oven with anchovies. I'm not a massive fan myself, but uh, yeah. So we do a, a smorgasbord. So lots of different things that you, you pick from. Uh, meatballs, sausages, yeah, all that. It's kind of it all sounds fabulous to me. Yeah. I, think, I think we'll be having roast pork. Okay, lovely. Just, just, just to be different yeah. <laughs> from everybody else. Uh -huh. but, uh, but there you go. Uh, you yeah. see? I, 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 one day I look forward to, to having a, a Swedish Christmas dinner because oh, that, that, that yes. sounds absolutely lovely.
Thank you very much, Marlene. All right. Thank you very much. And thanks, everyone, for watching or listening. And uh, please, if you've uh, been watching, do catch it again on the podcast. Bye for now. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.